This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, every morning. Every morning. See, I haven't had enough coffee today. Hello, everyone. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and I am super excited to be here today um, because we have an amazing writer talking to us today. But first, let me say happy Thor's Day to all of you out there, and know that it is National Military Appreciation Month, so be sure, if you don't already, um, you see a service member, please say thank you for serving. If you see someone with a cap on that says um, veteran, just say thank you for serving. It takes you like five seconds, and a lot of times people simply just, um, you know, it's just it's just a good appreciation thing to do. It's just it's just a generosity and, and lovely thing to do. It is also National Nurses Day, which goes without saying, you know, we always need nurses and they're always amazing. Um, and they have been working their butts off. If they weren't already before um, the pandemic hit, they are really just, a lot of them are exhausted. So if you know someone who's a nurse, just say thank you. Maybe offer to bring them dinner one day or you know, pick up the kids. Um, if you all, have, you know, if you have your kids all at the same school, if you're at the grocery store, I mean, little gestures like that add up. And so that's really for anybody. But, man, nurses just really work their butts off. And the last thing I wanted to mention um, was it is Foster Care Awareness Month. And this is a really big deal for me because this week, nine years ago, two little ones walked in our front door and thankfully um, the way that their case was set up they stayed and uh, so we'll be celebrating nine years of them walking in our door and becoming a permanent part of our family Um, so foster care is an amazing amazing journey it isn't for everyone Um, but if you have ever considered being a foster parent or a foster adoptive parent please look into it Uh, a group called together we rise is a really good group to look at for solid information they're on instagram and um, Twitter and, and everyone Facebook and so but it's together we rise and they do some amazing work um, so look into them and so but in the meantime let me close the door because my dog is barking at uh, a leaf that's outside so we I'd prefer she not have input on this one um, but uh, we have an amazing guest today her name is Priscilla Oliveras she's been on the show before she is a USA Today best-selling author 2018 Rita double finalist who writes contemporary romance with a Latinx flavor. Proud of her Puerto Rican-Mexican heritage, she strives being authenticity to her, author, to her novels by sharing her Latinx culture with readers. She and her work have earned praise from O, oh, The Oprah Magazine, Washington Post, New York Times, Entertainment Weekly, Publishers Weekly, and Booklist, among others. Since earning her MFA in writing popular fiction from Seton Hill University, Priscilla now serves as an adjunct facility um, in the program and teaches online classes romance writing for her ed2go.com uh, site. And so it's E as an egg, D as in dog, 2, the number 2, go. 
And so if you wanted to take a class online, it's an informal class. She's teaching one. While she's devoted to the devotee of a romance genre, Priscilla is also a sports fan, beach lover, and Zumba aficionado who often practices the art of napping in her backyard hammock. As you can call it all research, I think. You can find her um, on her website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the links in the write-up of the show. Her latest release, Anchored Hearts, is out right now. Welcome to the show, Priscilla. How are you, my dear? Hi, it's wonderful to be here this morning. Um, I'll tell you, I was writing notes. I'm like, I totally forgot that it was Military Appreciation Month. I'm in the middle of it. I had a book due, a revision due on on Monday. But as the daughter of um, a military, um, you know, a career Navy, and the sister of um, an an officer serving in the military right now, and mm-hmm. uh, the aunt of a nephew who is just joined the Marine Corps and is in his training. Uh, um, I know I have lots of calls I need to make today, but um, you're right, it is um, really important just when you see a military person you know, to, to think about the sacrifices that they uh, and their family as well make um yeah. you know having a military career and so even a simple thank you i know my poppy um i know my relatives appreciate it and my sister is a nurse she's a nursing yeah. scientist researcher so i have double duty today when double, we talk yeah. um to tell her you know happy national nurses day and uh, um uh so thank you for those those notes but i'm i'm pleased to be here to talk about anchored hearts and and whatever fun questions you, you have um, in mind. Yeah. Well, you know, and something else to point out with military is when you thank the person that's wearing the hat or the whatever, the shirt, or they're, they're in uniform, if their spouse is mm-hmm. with them or their kids, say thank you to them too yeah. because yeah. it's a big sacrifice. And I know a lot of people think, yeah, but they signed up. It's like, that's true. The draft is done. People do sign up. But that doesn't mean it's shouldn't be appreciate what they do. It's like not saying thank you to the doctor that takes your appendix out so you won't die. You know, like you can say thank you. It's okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Because you're right. It is like my sister's been deployed um, multiple times, separated, um, you know, from her family, like a lot of, uh, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of military people. And um, so it's not just the the one serving that, um, mm-hmm. you know, that has to to deal with the military life. Um, so yes, a, a small thank you, um, or a, you know, you're waiting in line at Starbucks and you and you you, you buy them the Starbucks if you can, right? Right. Um, right. But yeah. just the just the impassing thank you for your service is is um, you know is a nice gesture um, yeah. to to make. But and, and I'll tell you, being the the daughter of a Navy. Um, Cryptologic technician is how I wound up living in Key West and in, in, and uh, through junior high, all of high school, graduated from Key West High, which has led to the book that um, the series that that I have now right. that's set in Key West. So it was the Navy that took us there. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, that's a good spot for the Navy, that's for sure. Uh, my dad was in the Navy yes. sixty to sixty four in San Diego, um, and. Uh, mm. He said it was a good experience for him because he was just kind of trying to find some direction. You know, he's 18 and um, just really wasn't sure what he wanted to do with his life. He said it was good in the sense of it really kind of um, put his perspective there. Um, But, yeah, Yeah. but he talks very fondly. I mean, he's always loved the beach. We grew up in Houston, and so it wouldn't be unusual to everyone get thrown in the car at 7 o'clock in the morning and just drive down to Galveston for the whole day. Now, Galveston's not Key West, for sure, or San Diego. But it is the beach. <laughs> yeah. 
But it's the beach, yeah. It's it, it, it like the sidewalk, can... right? That's right. It yeah. Yeah, yeah. My dad was the same way, um, the youngest of nine. And so when he was of age, he wanted to see something different. He was born actually where you are, San Antonio, born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. And he wanted nice. to see, you know, something different, experience something different. And uh, so he joined the military. And um, mm-hmm. he, that's what led him to Puerto Rico, where he met my mom. Yeah. Oh, I will. Yeah. Yeah. I have very good, you know, I'm in San Antonio, like you said. And so it's, we have a ton of, of military. Um, We have, let's see, I think we have three, we had four military bases, um, which is just crazy to think of in one city, but um, in a big city, Uh, but we have Mm -hmm. three now. And, um, you know, Randolph Brooks, we have Brook Army Medical Center, Fort Sam. Um, and this is where a lot Fort, of the yeah. uh, medical military's trained uh, is here. Right. Um, and so, yeah, and then it was, you know, not unusual to go downtown on weekends and see all the cadets. You know, they get released for a oh, little gosh, bit to yeah. go walk around. <laughs> so there's always when they're there for their, for their basic <laughs> Their flight training, mm-hmm. and they finally get out. It's nice to like you see them down at the Riverwalk with their families who are there for the weekend for their graduation. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my yeah. sister was stationed; um, she was um, Army and then transitioned to Air Force, so she was actually at Fort Sam um, mm-hmm. years ago, and then most recently she was at Kelly. She was, you know, so she, she um, was stationed there, which was always wonderful because then you know she was near a lot of familia. My dad, you know, we saw familia a lot of familia there. Still in San Antonio, right. so it was nice um, for her to be stationed right where family was. So, uh, so when um, you guys grew up, were you um, you had a bilingual household, correct? Yes, I spoke Spanish yeah. first because my my mom spoke English, um, but she mostly spoke Spanish. And then, right as you know, she moved around with my dad in the military, and she got um, worked out, started working later outside of the house. We started speaking. She started speaking English more, um, and. Um, you know, so a lot more English in the in the um, household, like what what she was practicing and stuff. Right. Well, I mean, so when my my mother's dad, they his parents immigrated from Denmark, and so that was in 1918. Mm. And so the but the anti-German you know feeling in the United States was so fierce. Um, they yeah. wouldn't speak Danish outside the house, and so. Um, you know, I always asked them, it's like, how did you juggle that? So they'd speak Danish at home, but then it got to the point where they just transitioned all to English. So when, when you were home, it was a mix. So you would, you would still be, you know, practicing both languages the whole time. Like yeah. your mom. I, I, I yeah. Will, yeah, yeah. I, I will say as we got older, we started speaking more and more English. So I sure. don't feel like um, little things like I'm always messing up some grammatical thing in Spanish. And a lot of my Latina girlfriends, you know, that that grew up like either in Puerto Rico or in their in their various countries or, you know, just spoke it more than I did. You know, we'll, we'll tease, we'll joke, or, or I'll be in the middle of saying something and I'll be like, Ay, ¿cómo se dice? Right? I'll, like, how do you say? Uh, um, and uh, so I'm there's. I'm fluent in Spanish, and I can have a conversation, and um, I can read it slowly. But, like, my, my mom, one of the things that she does with my manuscripts, because I write with Latinx characters, uh, sure. um, is, she, like, she'll, she checks the Spanglish. Do I have the accent right? One thing that she's caught, my first series, the Match to Perfection series with the Fernandez sisters, they are Puerto Rican. They're Puerto Ricanas living in and around the Chicago area. 
But yeah. um, one of the track change notes that my mommy made one when in one of the manuscripts there was a, you know like a Spanish word or a phrase you know in Spanglish and she said when well, look you you can say the word or you can say it like that but your and that's how your cousins in San Antonio and in Texas would say it but remember in Puerto Rico we use this word and and yeah. in, in our house we would use those interchangeably because we understood them both right but right. to be true to the um, Fernandez sisters who wouldn't be speaking Mexican idioms and Mexican, you know, slangs. Right. There are differences, um, slight differences. Um, I, I needed to make sure I used the Puerto Rican word. Um, and I do think in Anchored Hearts, there is one word that because in Anchored Hearts, they're a Cuban familia. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm not Cuban, so I did rely on a lot of our uh, Cuban friends. We have a, a, a strong Cuban community that my mom is, is close friends with from when we lived on the military base in Cuba. And, sure. um, you know, we've just maintained those relationships. But there's one word um, for the the green plantain when we, when uh, like, in uh, when, when we let it soften and ripen and so it turns, it starts to turn yellow and then you fry yeah. it. Um, in Puerto Rico, we call a, 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 a term for that food is amarillo, which just means yellow. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the Cubans understand that word, but the word that they use is maduro. Like, so if you go to a Cuban restaurant and they ask you, do you want fried, you know, plantains on the side, we would say maduros is what you would call okay. them. Um, and I know that, but in Anchored Hearts, I think there is a scene, and I use the word amarillo, which is the Puerto Rican word that okay. we would use, like, get a amarillo, like, do you want amarillo? And, and my mom didn't catch that one either, and the reader caught it in the arc, but it was too late to change it. So, um, oh, wow. So yeah. that's a, yeah, so I know it's in there. No one else has pointed it out to me. I don't know why I'm pointing it out now to the world on your radio station, <laughs> but um, probably a, 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 an example of, so my, my mom read the, read the book multiple times through different phases, right? And, and I did too, and my sister read it. And, it, you know, it shows why you can be reading a book and you might find a typo. Um, it's yeah. because, you know, they slip through the cracks sometimes. You know what I mean? I, right. So many people can, can read your book going, you know, before it actually hits the world. Um, and there's still going to be some, some little thing that all those pairs of eyes didn't catch. Like well, and it, and it brings up be a good point because, <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of discussion in the past year or two about uh, diversity in publishing and having yeah. someone who understands what you're trying to write. And, it's, and it does, you know, say that there are certain things, like you're talking about regional dialects and regional slang um, and what yeah. you use here versus there. Um, like something similar is uh, in Texas, you would ask if someone said, um, can I have a Coke? And, you, and the people would say, what kind? And, of course, if you came from New England, you'd say, well, it's a Coke. It's like, no, there's Sprite, there's root beer. There's, I mean, it's like it's, it's yeah. used interchangeably for soda or pop. Um, yeah. Or I'd like a tea. Well, I'll bring you iced tea. It's like, no, I want hot tea. Well, nobody drinks hot tea in San Antonio. I mean, come on, it's 9,000 yeah. degrees. You know, so, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's you know, all regional. So having that there, and that's, those are very minor examples, but I mean, for someone who is, oh, that's the language, true. that's the yeah. culture, but it's, it's still, it's important to have those people that are in, like you're saying, like you, you pulled from people yeah. who are Cuban. So, you know, um, so tell me yeah. about you. So Anchored Hearts is the second book of this series. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Island so, Affair. Island Affair is Island the Affair. book one that came out last right. May. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now we have Anchored Hearts. So tell me about Anchored Hearts because it's a second chance romance. Yes. So Anchored Hearts, like he's, it's a second chance romance between Ana Maria Navarro and um, the, is the heroine and Alejandro Miranda. And they were high school sweethearts. Their plan was to graduate and kind of go see the world. Alejandro knew he wanted to be a commercial, he wanted to be a professional photographer. And Ana Maria didn't know yet what she wanted to be, but she comes from, in the series, the um, the series revolves around one main family, one main familia, the Navarro familia. So like book one is Mm -hmm. Luis Navarro's story. This is Ana Maria's. She she wasn't sure what she wanted, um, but she did, you know, did know that she assumed they would go out and, and explore and see the world, but Key West would be their home base. And right. Alejandro and his father have a big risk. Uh, um, Alejandro wants to create his own legacy as a photographer, but as the oldest son, it was expected that he would stay home, take over the family restaurant that was, right. um, you know, created in honor of his, his grandfather, from, you know, over originally from Cuba. And so when he graduates, his, his papi tells him, look, if, you're, if you leave to go do your own thing, don't come back. You know, they have a heat. So Alejandro is, you know, tells them, does exactly that. They graduate, and Ana Maria cannot leave with him because her father is in the hospital. He leaves okay. expecting that she's going to come, but he leaves telling her, look, I'm not coming back. And he, you know, the, the idea was that she would meet up with him at some point. But when he flipped right. that switch on her, um, her not knowing, you know, really what, what it was that she wanted in life, she stayed behind. And so their breakup was not amicable. And it's 12 years later, and kind of like the, the idea behind it is the, the prodigal son returns to the sure. island that, you know, he wants to call home. Um, and the woman who broke his heart but who he's never forgotten and uh, – that's where it starts off where he, he's forced to come back home. He has not been home for 12 years. He's forced to come back home because um, he's injured after a photo shoot, in, actually, in Puerto Rico. And so he comes back home unwillingly. And both okay. of their moms happen to be best friends. And so we have mm-hmm. some meddling mommies um, in the mix who are determined to bring their kids back together. Um, but it's a, so it's a second-chance romance for Ana Maria and Alejandro, but I also think of it as a second chance between Alejandro and his dad. Um, sure. Because that, that rift between them is, is still there. And I do try to write about familia, drama, re- real life things that are going on. I don't have a lot of spies and espionage and things like that in my book. <laughs> um, right. But uh, so there's a, there's a romance with familia drama and, um, you know, their moms in there adding a little bit of humor. Well, I mean, families can add a lot of drama. They they really, I mean, yes. you don't even have to go very far. I mean, you can just read People Magazine every week and somebody's got something weird going on. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's funny because I used to work in the emergency room and, and I would come home and some of the stuff was just like, what is going on in the world? I mean, but yeah. um, I had friends of mine work OB, you know, labor and delivery. And that was, man, mm-hmm. it, that was always interesting. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, having different people show up for, you know, delivery. Yeah. yeah. And, 
Yeah. So, uh, well, so family, it's, it's very is, family is all yeah. kinds, right? Right. There's, found, yeah. there's blood family, there's found family, like the ones that you make, um, uh, you know, that you create for yourself. My, my two series have been about, you know, a, a familia. I'll say that with the Fernandez sisters, they, they bicker like sisters do, but they got along really well. And so when I, one of my things I wanted when I was creating the keys to love series, especially in book one, Luis, and um, mm-hmm. there are four Navajo siblings. The older one is, is already married um, and, and has kids. And then it's Luis, Ana Maria, and then Enrique is the youngest one. And in book one, Luis um, has a big rift with his, with his brother, with Enrique. And that's part of Luis's story arc. But I wanted to make sure I thought, you know, things were kind of sweet with, with, the, with, with the Fernandez sisters. And there are families like that. Uh, you know, but yeah. I also wanted to, you know, show that they're, you know, in our familia um, and a lot of Latinx familias and I think in, 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 in other families in general, um, you know, we're taught and Luis says it in book one, like even though, you know, he and Enrique are at odds and, and they're not talking very much, they still meet every week for the mandatory familia dinner, the mandatory Navajo right. familia dinner. And, and he knows that if his brother needed anything, Luis would would be there for him. He might he right. might be pissed off at him, right? And he might not be talking very much to him, but he would be there to help, um, you know, when needed. And so that that idea of and and I think that's what our our romance novels are about is they are the you know the romance novel of today how we have evolved is they are examples of healthy relationships and characters who put in the work to look at themselves and how, you know, their own self-growth, right, so that, so that they're healthier people or in healthier places, but surrounding themselves, not just with their partner, with their romantic partner, but also the other people in their, you know, small society, you know, right. who they, you know, um, live and love and, and, and work with on a close basis. So they're, they're to me, are our genre, why it's so important, especially over like this past year, but at, at, at all times is, and why it's important for there to be diversity so that anybody, um, you know, has the opportunity to see themselves on the pages of a book that's celebrating the relationships and the power of love. Right. I mean, the, it's it's interesting you said that about, you know, they don't really talk to each other, but if they needed anything, it's kind of like, you know, I can, I can visualize them bickering at each other while, you know, if one of them needs a kidney, the other one's rolling up the sleeve to get blood tested while they're bickering, you know? Um, yes. It's that kind of thing. You know, they're still arguing, but it's like they're just not even thinking twice about, you know, getting tested to right. see if they match, you know? So, yeah, I mean, right. and, and I think there's a lot of families, you know, you don't get along all the time and that's okay. I think it's finding that common ground once again and, um, yeah. and finding that love. Why, I mean, yes, there are times that you're kind of forced to be family, whether you're, you know, siblings or what have you, yeah. but then there's the families we choose. Um, and yeah. yeah, you're right. The The romance world uh, right now has just got some amazing authors and the, the core yeah. of it is, um, is love and whether it's love for a lover or your friends or your parents or, right. I mean, it's, it's, and we need that. We all need that. Yeah. Gosh, it's, yeah. it's unhealthy yeah. if not. And I think that's what's gotten us through, the past year, it's gotten us through very difficult times in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah. just so important. It's so. How, what has been the most fun about you? You know, you teach the course online, and 
what has been mm-hmm. the most fun about that class? Like, have you had people come to you and go, wow, I had, had no idea it was so much work, or even, wow, I came up with this great <laughs> idea, thank you. I mean, you know, because there's always someone's like, I always oh, yeah. wanted to write a book. I just, you know, I can just sit down, and yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, you, you go ahead and try that. So let's see what happens. Right. Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest. When, but, I, when yeah. I first started, I was a college student. I had to take a semester off. I was then at that point, I, um, I was married and I was a military spouse and college student and a new mother. And we had a surprise military move. So I had to move from Florida mm. all the way to California. And so I had to take a semester off. And um, I needed something mentally, like, you know, to be challenging, something that I was working on because I was used to being a full-time student. And, right. um, and so I thought, well, I, you know what, I, I enjoy reading. I mean, I, 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 I love romance novels. My, my major is English. I've written short stories. I'm just going to write a book this semester. Like, how hard could that be? <laughs> right? Right? Famous last words. <laughs> so, yes, in, in, in the class, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I did it. I finished. So that was, that was, you know, it was a really powerful moment getting to the end of the book. And so that's what I would say if there's a beginning author out there who's questioning start and and keep going get get words on the page even if it's a hundred words a day right you're slowly getting closer to the end but in the class I do I have students who um I've had students that said they've never read a romance novel they just thought the class sounded interesting and then right thankfully that that first that first lesson I ask people to introduce themselves and um you know on the message board online and share some of their keeper shelf novels or keeper shelf authors. So if they're people that have said they've never read or they're interested in a different subgenre, I, I point them to their, towards you know look at look at the recommendations of, of the other students and, and I share some of mine. Um, but then I have people who yes come because they want to write um, they're t- working on or, or trying to write a romance. I have others that have come and they write they're writing a different genre, but they want to add uh, learn about adding a believable romantic thread to their story. And for right. those people, I totally applaud because, um, you know, it's, it's a testament to their dedication to their story and wanting to get things right for all readers. Um, exactly. You know, in, instead of just throwing this couple all you know, together, because as a romance reader, when I read another book or when I watch a movie and a couple thrown together that, and, and you can tell that it was just, well, they wanted to, you know, check a box. There's a romance in here. Um, I can, I can tell that, um, and but the class itself, I enjoy what what I really enjoy is there are times where I was just giving a presentation to a different uh, writers group, and two people, um, a virtual one, a Zoom one, and, and two people in there both said, "Oh, hey, I took your class, you know, X number of years ago, or I took your class last year, and you know, and it really helped." And so connecting with students and seeing that they're, in, you know, in that way, and and seeing that they are mm-hmm. still. Um, you know, working at it and, and, and improving their craft. Um, I love to hear from, from students afterwards about, um, you know, what, what they have going on and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, because it's an online class, so we don't ever meet face-to-face. Um, so right. hope, I, I always hope afterwards that they'll reach out. I have a Facebook page for the class or shoot me an email, you know, to, to touch base. Um, but there are so many other authors, um, writers, and industry professionals in, in Romancelandia that have been helpful to me along the way that, you know, when I had the opportunity to create the class for um, FunGage Learning for Ed2Go, it, I see it mm-hmm. as a way that I can hopefully share, uh, you know, some of what I've learned and, and, and 
uh, you know, along the way to, to help others who are starting out or wanting a refresher or for whatever reason it is that they come to take a class. Um, I think there's a way to give back in one sense. Right. And it's interesting, too, because I think I've, I've taught a class uh, um, about adding romantic elements to your story for non-romantic. For non- um, right. Yeah. Like I was at a, a conference a few years ago. And it was amazing to uh-huh. me the idea that people um, didn't it, – it, it seems obvious to us, but it's like – we're not talking about the sex scenes, guys. We're talking about the romance part. And yeah. people are going, what? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, we'll talk about the, you know, yeah. the, the intimacy. But the real intimacy is building that up. I mean, you don't just, like, throw two people together and have had no connection. No one's going to want right. that. I mean, that's, I mean, obviously some people do. But, I mean, it's just like that's not what we're talking about. So it was very interesting. And the funniest part, and this is being very oversimplif- <laughs> oversimplifying it, it's like the <laughs> women would go, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And the guys would be like, really? <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, take note, guys. Yes. Dudes, this is applicable in everyday world. So, right. Um, I, 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 yeah, yeah. And, every, and I think, like, you know, within our genre – um, I mean, gosh, we could get into a whole teaching thing here, right? But there are specific beats. There are, mm-hmm. um, you know, specific elements that you, you know, if you're going to, you can use the term beats if, for, if, you're looking, if you're using the Crash Book by Gwen Hayes, Romancing the Beat, or I say I use elements because I also rely on um, Pamela Regis's um, A Natural History of a Romance novel that talks about the eight essential elements and the three optional or incidental elements. There are different beats mm-hmm. that a romance, it doesn't matter if it's a, it's a book, 100,000 words, if it's um, a 25,000-word novella, uh, um, you know, there, there are beats that you hit and that build the, the intimacy, even if it's like a Harlequin desire where, you know, they're getting, you know, intimate, like bodily intimate real soon, right? But they're still, yeah. because the, the, a romance novel isn't just about those, um, intimate scenes, like you mentioned, you know, so there, you want your reader at the end of the book to truly believe that this couple, whether it's a YA and they're in high school and they've just, you know, they're just going to prom and you know, well, hopefully they'll get married, but this is high schoolers, so who knows, but in this moment, right. their relationship has a chance. And I'm not left wondering if the next day they're going to, it's all going to blow up. Right. So in order for the reader, yeah, yeah, yeah. In order for the reader to believe that, yes, this is a true happily for now, HFN or happily ever after, HEA, it's because the character grows and because they, the, the relationship is built on more than just that lust or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's, there's an emotional true emotional connection and and it has to be shown on the page for a reader to be, you know, to believe that. And it's interesting, well, with like the Hallmark uh, movies are kind of a a good example in the sense of if you're looking for the beats, because they're very good about, you have, you know, the intro, the meet cute, whether it's they're Uh reconnecting or they're meeting for the first time and you have these little beats, like maybe they hold hands Mm -hmm. or they lean into each other, the first kiss, you know, those kind of things. And so they're just really, it's just very, I mean, you could watch it and, and time it, and you know within a few minutes of every one, there's that, you know, thing that happens. Um, right. And Hallmark is now, I, I, you know, they'll have more than one kiss now. They used to have just the one kiss. And I know. Yeah. 
And it was like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Multiple interruptions before them. But, yes, we were watching one recently, and we were like, wait a minute. They kissed already. Hold on. What happened here? Um, what is that? There are a lot, and in my in my class, I talk about especially for those who are new to the romance genre or don't write romance genre, but um, are taking the class right for you know for whatever the reason. Um, it's mm-hmm. a lot easier. I, I say, look, if you can't, if you don't have a keep yourself book or you don't have time because we lead busy lives to like read a whole romance to study the elements that we're talking about this week, watch a rom com or a, or a romance mm-hmm. film, right? But, you know, so, like, you can watch Hitch, or you can watch You've Got Mail, or you can watch to All the Boys I've Loved Before, right? And and look for these different beats that we're talking about in the class so you can see. Um, and the beauty is they're not, you know, some people will say, oh, yes, romance is so formulaic. You just have to hit these points. No, because you and I could be writing a second chance romance, and we're going to have, you know, two different, you know, unique love interests as our leads, and... Um, we're going to hit those elements, but in different ways. And that's yeah. the beauty of the romance, right? Like I, I, in my class or in, I give a presentation um, actually dissecting the romance plot with You've Got Mail. And um, and we we talk about that. We're like each either you can say we're, we're um, scientists in our, own, in our own labs and we mix and match elements and the optional ones. If, if our own ways, um, you know, and mm-hmm. with each of our books, you know, they're they're not the same. But if we're missing one of those elements, a, a reader will be able to tell. They might not be able to say, you know, oh, it didn't have, you know, the point of uh, ritual death, right, or, or whatever. Uh, um, but they're going to know that something was off with that book. Yeah. You know, if there's not right. enough conflict, you know, it, you know, and whatever it is that's missing. Uh, a diehard romance reader, and that's what most of us are. Um, we'll we'll be able to tell that that something just kind of wasn't wasn't right. Well, one of the one of the movies that I've mentioned um, to people before that is a romance that a lot of people don't grasp initially is Red, but with uh, Bruce Willis and Mary Ooh, uh, Mary Elizabeth, Elizabeth Park. Yeah, Mary Parker. And, and it yes. everything in that movie he does to be with her and and she does the same she sticks around because she wants to be with him and everything is driven by this relationship and of course a lot of guys i I was talking to my husband i'm like oh my gosh this is a romance he's like no it's not and i'm like it is i mean the whole if you if you took their relationship out of it there would be no point to this you know they would just kind of be um taking care of business and it'd be done but she's involved, so it's a different path that he would take versus him just taking care of it. And um, yeah, and it's just so good because it's so delightfully fun. And you know, there's parts in it that you're like, right. "Wow, that's a little cringeworthy." But um, I mean, violence-wise. <laughs> but I mean, the right. the whole story is based on do they um, do they get together? So mm. it's just so smart. And, and I think funny because, I don't know who's yeah it's great oh, oh what are you gonna say you don't know who I'm sorry interrupting I said I don't know who pitched it but I doubt they pitched it as a romance I bet they pitched that's it as exactly action. what I was gonna say it depends on who you know like even and I don't and I don't want to you know stick with the stereotype of men say this women say this right but but the, sticking in staying with the men are from Mars uh, men are from Mars you know idea concept like it right or whatever. The way you and your husband both perfect example, right? 
if, if yeah. I was, if someone makes a movie to me, like, hey, Priscilla, you want to go pre-pandemic because I have not been to the movie theaters, but if you want to go to the movie, right, um, you should pitch me red the way you just pitched it. <laughs> if your husband's yep. version pitched it to me, I might be like, well, okay, but, but you know, if, if there's – because I'll go to a movie and it can be a great movie and I'll say, oh, yeah, it was good. Right? It was really good. But what would make it even better was if there was a romance thread. That's why so many people have asked me, do you think you'll ever write any other kind of genre? And I don't say no, never, because, you know, life right. has no funny way of laughing at you when you say something like that. Uh, but I would say if I wrote another genre or tried, I would almost guarantee that there's going to be a romantic thread in it. Because as yeah. a reader, if I was thinking of that book, I, I would appreciate there being a good romantic thread in there. So as a writer, um, I tend thus far to have written what I enjoy reading, you know. So, oh, yeah. Um, but, but it's funny the, the way that movie could – the two different ways, the two different perspectives of pitching that movie. Yeah, I know. I, it's just it's, <laughs> It took me a couple of times. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. You know, it was just – because my husband was like, hey, watch this, and it's Bruce Willis, and things are blowing up. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, and Morgan Freeman and, and Helen Mirren, you know, I mean, Helen why would you yeah. want to watch this movie? Um, and then, of course, we watched the second one because you do. Um, and then they'd added a few other characters, and um, it just it's still the same theme. But the beauty of it is the, the development of, of her character. It's like she's just this girl that works to help people process their social security checks. And she's thrown into this thing. And, the, and it's fun because if, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, Bruce Willis is a retired CIA operative, and he keeps calling saying his uh, checks aren't showing up every month for his retirement, his pension. Well, they are. He's just burning them. He's calling to talk to her. And um, she lives this really boring life, and she's reading these <laughs> – what was it she says? And it's, she's like, I'm reading this book. I'm reading. Like, how is it? She's yeah. like, it's awful and fabulous and, you know <laughs> – it's just like love savage secret or something like that <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> so he starts reading the book uh, yeah so it's, it's just really and, and he does it in such a cool way no, i'm writing well. it down right now I'm putting, yeah i'm putting it i'm writing the name down right now in my little notebook here so i can um after i hit my revision i have revisions due on monday so once i once i okay. can breathe a little bit um I'm going to have to see if I can find it on Netflix or on somewhere, on some streaming somewhere um, yeah. to watch it again because it's been a while. But it has, it has a stellar cast. Um, and yeah. It is, and a, it, the, it is a nice a nice little romance amidst um, all the blowing things being blown up. Right. And it's got a second chance romance in it too. It, it does? Which one? Yeah. Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren's character. Oh, Oh my gosh! Yeah, see, it, it has been a while. Um, yeah, it has been a while since I've seen it. She's so wonderful. Oh man, she's, she's amazing. She's amazing. I want to be her yeah. when I grow up. Yes, yeah. her or Judy Dench. <laughs> no? Oh my goodness! Yes, talk about good heroines. Great heroines yeah. to have in your stories, in your you know, as role models. Um, so, and I think that's one way that. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, like, the evolution of the romance novel, and I think right. that's where um, today's romance heroine is is a strong woman. Even if she is quiet, you know, like in my second book, um, her, perfect, um, her Perfect Affair, 
Rosa is the middle child, and, you know, she is the responsible one. She gets things done when the girls, um, when, the, when their mother passed away, when the older two were in high school, Rosa kind of stepped into that mode. Um, and everybody always expects her to do, like, the right thing. And she, it's not a surprise because it's on the spine of the book, but um, she has um, a, a one night with um, uh with a, a, a dear family friend that she's had a crush on for ages, and she winds up pregnant. And Jeremy, yeah. the guy, wants to do the right thing, and Rosa surprises everybody by turning him down when he says we should get married. Um, yeah. And um, and so she has a quiet strength um, that, that comes out. And so it's not that today's heroine needs to be all butt-kicking and strapping on a you know, weapon and fighting the bad guys. But she has her own agency, and it's no longer, you know, our decades ago, romance often was the, the woman, the, the heroine needing to be saved by the strong world. Um, maybe she needs saving, but she's going to be part of the process, right? And, and right. Or, or she might be the one doing the saving. And um, so I think uh, that you know, a, a, a new a part of the evolution of the romance novel that that as a writer present day I, I'm enjoying is the depiction of healthy relationships, but also depiction of women and, uh, you know, coming into their own and, and being, yes, at the end of the, at the end of the novel, they're, they're together and maybe they, but, but Sarah would be okay. Ana Maria would be okay if something happened and, yeah. you know, and she wasn't with them, right? Um, right. If they're not together, um, newsflash out there, it's not a romance if they're not together. So so the couples would be together, uh, but they're strong on their own, both of them, right? In, in Anchor's heart, what they both need to learn, um, especially if Alejandro's really need to learn it in regards to Ana Maria, and, and she is starting to learn at the beginning of the book, is that it's okay to, to go for your dreams and your loved ones, you know, if, if, they are, if they, you know, are deserving of being, you know, your loved ones, then they're supportive of you. And now you find the two of be fulfilled, you know, in, in your careers, but also have that home base that you can rely on to come back to. Uh, um, right. You know, it's it's part not of, an all or nothing part of, thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, and, you know, because unfortunately I feel like I will say, especially in the Latinx, a lot of Latinas, we, you know, there's a lot of self-sacrifice and you put everybody first and, and you're, you know, maybe settle for, for what you have instead of, you know, going for what you really want oftentimes. And I think mm-hmm. that is part of, that was Ana Maria's problem at the beginning of the book. And the book starts and she's already been doing for the last 12 years. is kind of like, you know, living okay, but like waiting and who am I, what am I waiting for? Who am I waiting for? And right. she has decided to go after what she wants. And then, of course, Alejandro comes back. So. Reevaluation or or uh, um, seeing how that affects. Um, but um, it was fun to write because on the fair, that book is kind of like a welcome to my island home. I've wanted for mm-hmm. a long time. My, my first book that I ever wrote was actually set in the Key West. It was bad for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, <laughs> but I knew I've known 
happened to take Oop, you're fading in and out. Our quote unquote. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, you're here. Um, yeah. It, it's it's gotten really dark over here all of a sudden, but I but I'm figuring myself should be okay. We're not on Wi-Fi. Uh, um, but so I've no so I know I've known for a while that I wanted to quote unquote take readers home with me to Key West, and so in book mm-hmm. one. Luis is, you know, a conch, born and raised in Key West, but Sarah is a tourist. So a lot of the, the Key West um, tales in book one are a lot of, um, a lot of tourists, a, a lot of places that people would come to see because that's what Luis is doing with Sarah and her family. Um, and I right. wanted readers who had been to Key West to visit to, to hopefully finish the book and feel like they had relived their time there and, and now enjoyed it with Lisa and Sarah. For people who have never been to Key West, I, I wanted them to feel like they got a taste of it, like, you know, welcome to my, you know, welcome to our island. Um, but with book two, Armandia and Alejandro were born and raised there. And so part of the second chance romance where what makes it hard or what makes it angsty is that in the second chance romance, the, the, Love interests know how good it can be when they're together, but they also know, like, how painful it can be when things aren't good between them. Right. And um, so the two of them are reliving, like, old high school memories of, of, of their, you know, when they were. And I had a chance to think back and, and share some memories um, of, like, when my sister and I, so like, when Ana Maria and I had to talk about hanging out at the beach um, and at, at Astro City Park across the street. Like, those are things that my sister and I did, in, you know, in high school. And Ana Maria mentioned taking her nephew to Dairy And my sister worked at Dairy Queen, and my dad was a night manager. So, you know, that, that, that's a place. So um, I, I share, like, different little, little places around right. the island than I did in book one. But this one is more like Anchored Hearts is a little bit more like an homage to those who have grown up there and still live there or grew up and, and had to move away, but like just hopefully, you know, sharing a little bit of what it's like to be living on the island full time. Um, right. So both the perspective of the books is going to be different. Right. Yeah. A little bit. You yeah, live there the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Cause you're not going to go hang out at all the tourist spots. You've got your own little nooks and places that you're going to hang out um, yeah. for, yeah. for being there all the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like my friends that live there, um, we'll go, you know, like they're small, like off the way, as, as off the way as you can get in Key West because it's, you know, a small island, but um, places that, that they'll go eat or that they'll hang out on a Friday, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, you know, if they do that. Um, so it, it was, I've enjoyed taking readers to Key West in, in both books, but, you know, in, in different ways. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate you being here today. What is the third book coming? Are you going to have a third book, I should ask? Yes. Well, I do have a story for Enrique, um, in, um, Enrique is the younger brother. Um, unfortunately, the little rascal is telling me he's not quite ready to settle down yet. And <laughs> the way, the way publishing works, you know, why my, my contract with Kensington was two books and then an option we had not, um, confirmed like the option yet. And I had another story idea, a series idea that we sold to a different publisher. And so that one needs to take precedence. So actually right now I'm working on a new series that book one is set in San Antonio. It's with um, a group of sisters who form a mariachi band. 
And nice. the two books are like loose retellings of Shakespeare plays, of musicals based off of Shakespeare plays. So book one is called West Side Love Story. And mm-hmm. it's about um, there are battling mariachi bands um, in a competition. And there's um, a thread about gentrification over on the west side where the sisters live. And um, so right now I am in revision with um, the first uh, Campo Sisters book, um, and I'm excited to take readers. That should be coming out next summer, sometime May, June-ish. Um, and it's um, the first in the series. It's right now, and I don't think the title will change. It's called West Side Love Story. Okay. And, and, well, and I will get back to um, I, I will get back to Enrique. Just it's a matter of when when I get it in there. But I know um, the Navarro mom, Mami um, Navarro, is is anxious to have all three of her kids, you know, married off and and starting their their life, their married life. So it, and I just and and I've got that story for Enrique kind of in me. So I'm letting him simmer. I'm I'm letting him uh, enjoy his bachelorhood <laughs> for a little while longer while I while I play with the Campo sisters. But his time yeah. will come. They will. They will. Yeah. yeah, characters will tell us when they're ready. And, and if you don't write, you don't really understand that. And I swear we don't all have schizophrenia, but, I mean, it, it's, it really yeah. is. It's, uh, they, they will just basically say, okay, and it's usually in the middle of some other project or when you're driving and can't write anything down, So, um, uh, which is always fun. <laughs> oh, my goodness, how they, when that happens. Uh, they're gosh. worse than real kids. <laughs> <laughs> I have had conversations while driving or while washing the dishes or Ana Maria has had me strap on my, my tennis shoes and uh, my running shoes and we'll go for a run um, to have a conversation. But you do, we do what we do or what we have to, to connect with our characters and hopefully help them better come to life on the page for our readers. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you so much for yeah. being here, and please come back and talk to us when your next one out. And one uh, thing, you do have a book with um, Sarah Skilton um, and Lori Wilde, yes, Summer oh in my, the City. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much so for mentioning that. that cause actually, yeah. yeah. Um, and it comes out my next, next release, month, correct? Yeah. It's actually in like 20 days. It's May. It's a June release, but it will hit uh, um, bookshelves and devices and Audible um, on May 25th, it's an anthology um, this month. So you can head to Key West now, and then at the end of the month, you can jet up to New York City. This one, um, the, it's three novellas, so about 30,000 words, so quick reads in one book. And the three friends, each of the friends have their own story, and that's what happens. They go out on their Friday night. Um, Saturday morning, they're planning a girls' weekend trip away, but Friday night, they go to their respective you know, plans, and a power outage hits all of Manhattan, like all, all of the boroughs. And so they are each wow. stuck in a situation and romance. It's a romance, obviously. So romantic shenanigans ensue. And uh, <laughs> my, my, my novella is called Lights Out. It's like um, a Lin-Manuel um, Broadway and baseball mashup. My hero is a rising Broadway sensation and it's opening night of, his passion project, a musical based on the life of Roberto Clemente, famous okay. baseball player and humanitarian right. from Puerto Rico. And, and he's so the first, uh, his, yeah, he's the first uh, Hispanic gentleman to cross the color barrier, right? Yes, 
Yes. So there was Jackie yes, Robinson. Thank you. And then there was, yes. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and then Clemente, thank you for remembering that. Yes. Um, and he's in the Hall of Fame, but he was a huge humanitarian. Mm-hmm. He actually died in a plane crash. Um, he had gathered supplies, um, relief supplies to take to Central America. I want to say Nicaragua, but I don't want to. Um, and um, his plane went down right after takeoff after um, in, in Puerto Rico. Um, mm-hmm. um, but so it's opening night of Clemente, the man, the myth, the legend, and Mateo is up on stage, and in the audience is Vanessa, who they were in rival theater troops in high school in the Tampa area. So they were interested in each other, but they never connected because, you know, that would be, uh, that, that would be wrong. They were, they were rivals. But so now as adults, Mateo is still performing, um, and Vanessa is a journalist, but she she is a theater critic for an entity called The Fix, and she did not she gave him a terrible review at his last performance, and uh-huh. um, so there's a little there's friction there, and Vanessa's in the audience, and that's when the lights go out, and um, they they wind up stuck together um, through the course of the blackout that that night, and it's so it's. A, a cute little, um, a fun little romance. Um, I, I enjoyed being able to, my, my family were huge baseball fans. My my girls and I love Broadway. Uh, um, tons of people are Lin-Manuel fans. And so I kind of borrowed from his story. You know, this is um, Lin-Manuel's In the Heights was a project that he started in high school and um, with two friends and just kind of built from there. And so that's kind of the idea behind Roberto Clemente's um, the the musical and my, that Mateo has been working on, and so that you'll get to see lights out. Um, the two other um, the two other novelas are Night at the Museum, that's by Laurie Wilde, and it's at the Met, mm-hmm. and um, the other one is Mind Games by Sarah Skilton, and um, that has the hero is um, a magician like mentalist. Um, I'm really it's really intriguing, and so you can get all three. In one book, it's called Summer in the City, and it comes out at the end of May. It releases May 25th. Ah, I'm so excited to see that on the shelves. And I um, have the great fortune of being holding one in my hand right now. So, um, And thank you for sending that to me. Sure. <laughs> Enjoy. Happy reading. I, I will. So thank you so much for being here. Come back again. And um, everybody, if you wanted to touch base with Priscilla, she is on her website. You can sign up for her newsletter. She's on Facebook. She's on Twitter. She's on Instagram. And she's got her newest book is out now, Anchored Hearts. is the second book of this series. The first book is Island Affair. And then she has her anthology coming out with Lori Wilde and Sarah Skelton, Summer in the City. That is the end of the month. So that is just enough time for you to read those first two books and then read that one. And then if you <laughs> read really fast, She's got even more books that you can find on her website, so check them out. So please come back and talk to us again. It's always such a pleasure chatting with you. I'm looking forward to the next time I visit San Antonio and I visit Familia there. Hopefully we can connect in person, but it's always a treat to to get to be on the show. Thank you so much for the invitation. Everybody out there, please be safe. Um, You know, thank any military person or or any nurse. Um, I I hope you're – masking up and, you know, taking precautions and um, wishing the best and good health to you and your loved ones and happy romance reading. Happy. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you very soon. This has been Patricia W. Fisher. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 